All right, so Mr. Robot. <laughs> All right, Jamie, we're here on West Coast Project to do Mr. Robot episode seven, even though it's 2.5. That's right. Handshake.sme. Mm -hmm. Jamie, this series has 10 weeks with 12 episodes. Yes, that's right. Um, and I've got a couple of thoughts about this before we get into the scene by scene recap. Okay. Um, this, I, I actually did my notes for this in the library. I wanted to, sh to shake it up. We were just talking about what I do for work and stuff, and I'm in my office all day. So I'm, I'm like, I'm going to get out of here, you know? Mm -hmm. Went to the library, and I watched, I did my rewatch of my notes in the library. And you know how when you're a kid, everything you did as a kid and you go back as an, as an adult, it seems really small? Yeah. Like the room's physically smaller in your third grade classroom. Yeah. Well, I went to this library. Well, you know, I went to it as an adult, but I hadn't been there in like 10 years. And it seems small, too. <laughs> Just like childhood things, it had, uh, it had this strange adult tweak to it that made it small. That's so crazy. I wonder if that's just a human part of our programming. You know, I think, I think <clears throat> that when things are not as well understood, when they're still kind of a mystery, I think our mind kind of allows for all of the possibilities that are there to sort of exist almost in a physical way, but without really having a real form. And so rooms seem bigger. I mean, I, I think, you know, when you're a kid, you know, something is um, bigger because you're small, right? Physically small, yeah. But in a situation where, you know, you're in a room and it either seems bigger or smaller at some point in time, I think that's part of like your mental processes, you know, like you move out of a house and once your furniture's gone and everything's done, you know, it can either look really, really huge or it can look tiny and like somehow like ineffectual. Like how did this place contain my life or you know, geez, holy crap, I didn't realize how much space there was here. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like there's a there's a trick of your mind that happens. And wood floors. Who would cover <laughs> up these wood floors with carpeting? <laughs> no, you're right. It is a definitely per play on perception, whether it's real or not. I mean, it's really real. It's really the same size, your third grade classroom, and later it didn't get any bigger or smaller. It's all your perception. Yeah, and, you're, and, you know, and um, I think sometimes it's not really a physical thing, like, oh, I'm so tiny and this room is so huge. Sometimes it's a, like a mental thing, like maybe, you know, the last time you were at that library, the possibilities that the library held were greater than they held when you were there now. Okay, Krista, let's not get too <laughs> nutty. It was it was interesting though that this was like right on as I'm doing the notes for Mr. Robot that this this mental tw twist happens. Yeah. <laughs> so Jamie, now we know where Elliot really is. Did yeah. This, oh God. I, you know what? I was so mad. Did this? I was going to say, did this fake out bother you? It did. Do you uh, you do you accept his apology? Yeah, I do. I'm you think here. you think he's lying? To us, audience, us, or do you think he's? Do you think he's just crazy? Do you think he's lying to himself? Well, he's fucking crazy. He's got DID. I mean, that's you know that that is bad as it gets. 
that's, you know, I mean, aside from psychopathy, you know, and certain compounded mental illnesses, DID is about as serious a mental illness as you can have. What's DID? Oh, dissociative uh, identity disorder, which is what he has. Hmm. Well, it is. It was kind of freaky to see those scenes change as he was in them. But I, I, I you know, as a story goes, I buy it. I kind of liked it. Well, I mean, it was okay. I was just really kind of like aggravated because, uh, like, you know, there were people who were kind of tossing about that theory that he was in jail or he was in a mental institution, and there were reasons to believe. I mean, like the thing on the yard, they were like watching people play basketball. You know, it kind of made it seem logical. But I'm curious about a few things. Like one of them is his interaction with Angela. So now I'm going to go back and watch again to see, you know, what what it was that happened then and how it could be reasoned that, you know, he would have done that from prison. I guess she was just a visitor, but I don't know. You know, uh, I didn't like it. Maybe they could show some of those crowd scenes of people just trying to get food or trying to wait in line at the ATM behind 300 other people just to show what the world really looks like in this in this new financial setting. Yeah. And I I think the reason they don't is because that's not supposed to be the focus of the story, which is kind of, you know, weird because it's interesting. So there were some themes in this episode, uh, birthdays and relationships like Joanna and her new boy toy Derek Mm -hmm. they had a birthday theme and then Price and Angela had a birthday theme yeah you know um, yeah and and I think there were some actual births (laughs) you know like some real real birthdays um, in this episode some very new beginnings and some revelations Um, there were a lot of themes related to that and to um, you know truth It, it was really interesting there, there was a lot of truth in this episode. Um, a lot of revelations about what people really think and what's really happening. So, um, yeah, in a way it was, um, you know, the, un- the uncovering um, of reality for the audience. Well, we, let's get into it. We start again with a flashback, and it's Joanna's, Joanna at her house with the earrings, and it's uh, she thinks back about this party with Tyrell, with the Knowles, Sharon and Scott Knowles, and she co- she gets compliments on her earrings. It was an actual flashback, and she was remembering the day that she got the earrings from uh, from uh, Tyrell. <clears throat> Tyrell. So she comes back to real life, real time, and gets splashed with a bucket of blood by somebody on the street with her baby carriage. Right. Uh, and she calls. She gets called a capitalist pig. Um, and then she goes back inside, and we see this photo. Did you did you know what was that? What that photo was of? Yeah, it was a it was a um, uh, what do they call that thing? An ultrasound. Oh, uh, that's why I couldn't tell. I, was, I stopped and tried to look at it, and I couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, it was an ultrasound of a baby. But this baby's born now. <clears throat> that's right. So why is she looking back at an ultrasound? Well, I don't know if that was <clears throat> then or now, or if maybe that's her, you know. I mean, I don't know if it was the present. If it was, then maybe she's pregnant, you know, with her new boyfriend's baby. 
Oh, man. Because wasn't she drinking wine and, like, listening on a baby monitor? <laughs> yeah. But we know she doesn't care too much about wine and pregnancy. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Elliot comes on. He does a voiceover hello and says to us, I guess, I recognize you and acknowledge your existence. Yeah. And he explains what the handshake is. Um, but he's really where he really is, is in the basement of the prison or whatever, where, whatever that is with, uh, with Mr. Robot. And he's suffering from this beating he, he has taken. Right. And they talk about Tyrell uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. And Elliot says he wants to leave all denial behind and move on. And um, kind of asks Mr. Robot what happened. And Mr. Robot admits shooting Tyrell. Yeah. So we do we do learn what happened to Tyrell. Yeah. Now, does shooting him mean killing him? Man, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm in, I'm in, when he said it, I assumed that he was dead. Yeah, I guess we have to. Yeah. Otherwise, where is he? What's he doing? Exactly. Yeah. All right, Angela and Dom now uh, in the next scene. They're playing a little poker game here, Jamie. Game of chicken. Uh, Angela stands up to Dom pretty pretty well, but she's on to her. Dom Dom knows she's smart. She knows what's going on. Oh yeah. Asks her why she was on the twenty third floor. She says I had drinks planned with the agent. I was setting up a date, a lunch date, and we find out that Dominic's been watching her. That and that she's suspicious of her because she left her job at Allsafe a week before f- the five nine attack happened and joined E Corp right after. Um, and then while this is happening, Darlene hears all this via the earpiece and tells her not to worry. Mm-hmm. So Dominique back, backs off but wants a statement later. So she's not out of trouble yet. Right. Uh, I was going to have you drop by soon anyway. Darlene gives her the rest of the config instructions and they connect to the femtograph or whatever that thing is. Femtophone. And Femtocell. It- and then they were in. That was it. That's all it took. Uh, I was thinking with when Elliot's with Mr. Ro- Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. how great it would be to have a whole psycho team with you at all times. Elliot's right. got this backup team, you know. <laughs> yep. Maybe whoever else is in on that team, but you know he's got he can rally. He can huddle up and rally with his team. Maybe in season three, we'll get to know all of the, or at least all of the present characters who are, um, you know, a part of the team. And maybe they'll be, you know, hanging around, kind of going back and forth and discussing things. And, yeah, you never know. So they talk about the actual process. Elliot asks him, I did it. I shot him. And Mr. Robot says, it was us or him. Uh, And Elliot says, how did I do it? So wait a minute. Okay, so this is kind of crazy, right? Because how did Elliot and Mr. Robot kill Tyrell if Tyrell is on the loose? He's wanted. He's not in prison. Like, when we enter this season, Tyrell is wanted. He's not imprisoned. And if Elliot's in prison and Mr. Robot's in prison, then how did they kill him? Well, I think Elliot killed him before he got caught. Now, now Tyrell's missing, so he's wanted. That the police don't know he's dead. But the, I, I don't know. See, it's this fucking playing with time thing. 
I just don't like that stuff because it really screws with my understanding of the thing. I can't put stuff in um, chronological order to make sense out of it. And I think, you know, that's partly, you know, like, you know, great plot and construction by Sam Esmail. But I think part of it is some bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Like Daryl Dixon would say. No, I or, think he's. I think he's just. Okay, this, like, or like on the boondocks. <laughs> That's some old bullshit. <laughs> I think this is just all happening before Elliot got arrested, so that explains a lot of it. That Tyrell's gone, dead somewhere, and they can't find him, so he's wanted. They don't know he's dead. All right, so that that makes sense from a certain angle, um, and you could be completely right because you were right about the jail thing. Um, but I don't know. I mean, because. Uh, well, I read that on Reddit. I didn't think that up. Oh. Some other geniuses on Reddit figured that out. <laughs> well, however it happened, it was right, and you forwarded the, you know, the postulate. I was right about the garbage. Damn it! I'm I'm laying claim to that garbage. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's a big problem. There's people burning garbage now. It's a. It's. I'm telling you. Go to Manhattan. It does. It makes sense. It really does. And they're trying to Bitcoin their way out of stuff. All e-coin, Bitcoin kind of crap. So next scene, Joanna's strangling, having her strangle sex with Derek. And then they talk after a little lovey-dovey. Tighter. Derek says, come to my party or we're done, baby. (laughs) Right. He's got any kind of power or authority to tell her what to do. He was speaking truth to power. (laughs) Yeah. Why does she like this schmo, though? I don't know. Can't just be that, oh, you've got everything that I don't, you know, I don't buy that bullshit. You're you're the opposite of everything I thought I wanted, so now I want you. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if she's a freak. Maybe he, you know, cuts her right. I don't know. All right. Well, Dominique and her team are watching the video that was compromised by Darlene. It's it's essentially Darlene hacking the video that shows Angela walking around on the 23rd floor. And uh, they know it. They know that they've been had by this. And so Dominique says, let's check Angela's PC, even though her computer, even though we won't find anything. We, we got to go at least through that formality. Right. Uh, all right, then they do the trash burning scene, and the taxis are now accepting e-coin, and they talk about some of the chaos, but not enough for me. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, I, I think you, I think you could have probably extended that scene and had maybe one more sprinkled into the the episode somewhere. And I thought about you when you said it, and I thought, God, that's really. But you know, I mean, if you think about what they were describing um, about how they were getting rid of garbage. I mean, you have gone back like 500 years. Like, you know, we, that, that was some like medieval shit. Like they, you know, like they've been disposing of garbage in an organized fashion. Well, not 500 years, but like maybe for like 200 years. Like we've been able to dispose of garbage responsibly for a good little minute. <laughs> so the fact that they are burning it is interesting. And, you know, that's chaotic because you're talking about a whole different setup as far as the ecosystem goes. Things would change. You would start to see 
disease breed differently and be um, communicated differently because there's not the same amount or um, type of sanitation. I mean, that's like real grounds for chaos. Well, what about just like utilities to like water, telephone, electricity? I mean, is your, is your cell phone going to keep working if you can't pay the bill? Well, I mean, so that was the question that I had actually. You, I mean, you really hit it because, and I didn't fully think it out, but when she, when the lady on the screen in the cab, like the broadcaster, um, was saying the thing about the e-coin, I thought, well, God, I mean, how the hell do they, you know, does everybody still have cell service and everybody, and the internet's still up and, you know, working in, you know, the way that it's supposed to, I don't know. And what about the most simplest <laughs> of human things that drives everybody batshit? Just, just a line. Like you, call, you go up, okay, I'm going to get a quart of milk or a gallon of milk, and there's a freaking line coming out the door around the block. You're like, ah, oh, fuck. Just a line. Just show people in line for stuff. You're right about that. Now, you're, you're right about that. Like there's not enough um, of that kind of stuff represented because really what we see is, you know, people glancing out of ivory tower windows and going, gosh, you know, do you see all that going on down there? Right. <laughs> and, you know, but you're right. I mean, like the reality of it could be better represented. They show the crowd. They just show the crowd protesting. Okay, I get that. I want to see some people in line for like a Snickers bar. Well, yeah. Okay. So they did show that one time, like the one time in, um, the Iranian guys, um, coffee shop, his grocery store, the one where she gets the Turkey sandwich, where uh, Dominique gets the Turkey sandwich. The first time we see her, the line is freaking huge. And she's like, I don't know, almost up to the front of it. But there's a, like a long line behind her of people just waiting to buy like a simple item. But yes, we haven't seen enough of that. I actually made a comment when we did that, that episode that Dominic's making small talk with the guy while there's 15 people in line behind her, which would drive me freaking batty. Yeah, I remember you saying that. I you hate like, that. I, you know, you'd be like behind her being like, oh, God, move. Why you have Move to it along, Red. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, next scene we see Angela and Darlene talking. Angela tells Darlene that she felt like the odd man out when they were kids because uh, Darlene and Elliot were so close. And then she says, you made me watch that shitty, scary movie. Mm -hmm. Jamie, did you ever watch that movie, that nine-minute movie about the uh, bourgeoisie? I didn't. I watched it. Okay, so what's up? It's just, it's okay. I mean, they get they get murdered by people. I mean, it's, I don't really get how it, the only thing in it are the masks. Um, that's, and Angela says this here, she remembers it from the masks. Hmm. That's how they got the idea for the masks. Right. I don't know. I'm having a hard time making a connection of that movie to the to the series here. Okay, so um, you know, I think for oh no, I mean, okay, so the connection is that that was the um, the <laughs> the kernel <laughs> of um, you know that that was the, the little seed that sort of birthed like the whole plot, you know, to destroy everything. Right. Um, not the, you know, so, I mean, so that was the seed there. Um, and that's why they showed us that scene, that Halloween scene with um, Elliot and Darlene, where they discussed it and said, oh, this is, this movie's responsible for us turning out the way we are, or whatever that discussion was. Um, so that's what that is. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think this moment between, this scene between Darlene and um, Angela was 
supposed to satisfy the question mark that was kind of hanging over everything. And I think that may be part of what happened when Angela met, what's that dude's name? His name starts with a C. It's Darlene's ex-fiance. I can't think of his name. Her ex-fiance, when when Angela met him last episode, I think it was, or the one before, um, and we were like, oh, what's going on? Because she didn't want to expose him like, and, and say, like, I know who you are. And she's like, oh, I just thought I recognized you or something. The dude who speaks... Uh, yeah, the guy selling the mixtapes on the street. Uh, his name is like Caesar Cicero or something. I don't know. But anyway, so... Um, so... I think this was the moment, that moment then, I think, was where Angela realized that Elliot and Darlene had done this, like, whole thing. Like, they were behind it. Like, they weren't just the players. Like, they conceived the plot of the whole overthrow. And um, this conversation that we're looking at right now is Darlene's confirmation to Angela of it. And Angela's response about that movie was like, okay, I get it now. Um, and then, you know, when she said the thing, you know, the masks, I didn't really make the connection. And then, you know, it took a minute, but she was basically saying like, yeah, I got your number. Yeah, that guy was Cisco. He's Cisco. gonna. He's still playing a pretty big part in this because he's traveling with the femtocell from China and he got the thing jabbed under his fingernail. Oh, yeah. No, he's in it. You know? Like he's he's really in the thick of it, um, but I I don't know you know like what's going on with him right now. And by the way, that thing was oh well anyway never mind it's for later. But then, like there's a scene with our with our buddy Joey Badass that I thought was crazy and really revelatory and it revelatory and it um, caused me to have a lot of questions. All right, so this scene ends, and there's a commercial, at least on my USA version. We come back. Elliot's roughed up with Ray, and Ray kind of sarcastically asks him, have you had enough alone time to get your head right, to do what needs to be done? Um, and Elliot's really, he's in the same position as that Thai slave girl. He's Ray's slave to do whatever he needs, whenever he needs him to do it. Um, but Elliot works, and as he's working, he drops clues to the FBI through the website. Pretty smart. Well, this is what he does, right? Like, we're hearkening back to Elliot's original white hat kind of, you know, hero stuff that he does. Yeah, he's supposed to be re-migrating the website and fixing it, but he's really dropping clues. He's really doing both. Doing both, right. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, now the Darlene team watches this, right? Because she's, well, while she's watching her computer screen, she says, this is happening tomorrow? Like, this... I guess this uh, FBI attack on the on Ray's pr uh, program. She sees what Elliot's doing somehow, right? I I couldn't I I couldn't tell. Like I, I that was confusing to me. She says this this is happening tomorrow as she's watching her screen. Yeah. So um, and Elliot seemed to know when he, when he finally talks to Ray in an upcoming scene, he he kind of seems to know exactly when the FBI is going to hit. Anyway, so we, we jump back to Derek and Joanna. Uh, he's mad that she missed his party. And she gives him a nice little present, Jamie, the divorce filing. Yeah. So he's all pissed. He's all like, you know, 
um, you know, this is over. No, you know, I'm not going to deal with you. Don't even think about touching me. And, you know, then she hands him his birthday gift. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to me. You know, I think that this is our love story for the season. Oh, God. I do think so. Yeah, we've already expressed our displeasure at uh, Joanna and Derek. But um, <laughs> come back to Elliot and uh, Lone Star and Ray. And there's big site traffic now, double the Bitcoin intake. It's all, it's all revving back up. And it's really because what Elliot has done, he's taken it off the dark net and put it on the regular internet, the public internet. What? Yeah, he he took the he took Ray's website off the hidden part of the web and put it on the regular. That's why they're getting all this extra traffic and all. Did this. he say that? Yeah, well, that's the implication, and that's how the FBI catches them. He makes everything public. He puts ads in. He put you know he just exposes it. It's not hidden anymore. Oh, I. Okay, I didn't. Um... And that's how Ray sees it, too. Ray sees it for the first time. Yeah, I don't... This is a tricky scene, because this reveals a lot, and, and you've got to really break this down, like, piece by piece. All so, right, so, wait, so me... Elliot, to rebuild and remigrate the website, exposes those guys by putting it on the public web, on the regular internet. And, and it puts in ads for the, you know, hey, get a Thai girl. You know, he puts like a Facebook ad or something. He doesn't say what ads he uses, but he puts public ads out. And that exposes it and causes all this traffic. For, if you think about it, that makes sense. For a while, you would get people that want to buy drugs, stupid people. But, yeah, I'll buy, hey, look, I can get some MDA right here on, uh, you know, Amazon, the Amazon, <laughs> whatever. So it's on the regular Internet now. So all their traffic builds back up and they get a lot of money. They got a double their Bitcoin intake. Well, that's the, but that's no, because all right. So in the, in the, in the first, the first time that Elliot found that site, he just took it down. Like he made it not happen. Like it wasn't working. He took the site down and that's why they kicked his behind and like made him come and put it back up. So he put it up and then he put ads on there. So they weren't making any money at all because he had taken it down. Then now when he fixed it and he put it back up, they're back in business, but they doubled their money because he put ads. And I think they're on the regular internet. I don't, I don't know. He pulled, don't, the don't, he pulled the secrecy away from it, and that's how everybody found it, and that's why it's doing so much better, but that's also how the FBI saw it. I don't think so. I, I, I think that, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but I think, he did something different. I think he just put in some um, stuff in the code that would actually signal the FBI. I don't think he made this site public, but I don't know. Well, also, Ray sees it for the first time. And, and Ray yeah. does seem like sort of a Luddite. He doesn't know what's on the site at all, which is sort of amazing. Okay, so, but, but yeah. Okay, so, but he, like, he didn't know then, right? And then, um, let's see, what did he say? He said he wouldn't look, and she wouldn't look. Like, he and his wife wouldn't look to see what was on it. Like, she set it up and then let it take on a life of its own, right? Let the market dictate what was on there because people were actually, like, posting things on there, right? And then he said it ate at him all the things that he imagined. He feared the worst, but he still didn't look. And then not until Elliot came along. 
And then he said after um, he found out what was on there, right, what we did to you, what we did to RT, it was weak. So he's saying like, like after like Elliot came along, then he found out. So I think maybe when it went down, that's when he took a look and saw what all was out there. Yeah, this no, you know, none of this is really critical to the plot, but essentially that's what happened. Ray thanks Elliot for being his savior and making him making him aware, make, forcing him to look at what was actually going on on the site. He Ray says my wife did set it up and then let it take on a life of its own, mm-hmm. um, and that she was better at denial. So maybe she wasn't actively running it, but she was just better at denying that you know they both kind of knew what was going on but she was better at the denial like oh just let it keep cranking out money for us and ray was troubled by it right but they're trying to make ray look nice like a nice guy again and i you know i'm not buying it man he was a nice guy in the beginning then he was a total thug and now he's supposed to be nice guy again all right so he's saying like like all right so this is his business this is his stuff that he's done this awful thing he kind of knew but didn't want to know didn't look kept his eyes like purposely closed and blind and then he said you know like he already knew right um you know or or before before he i think he found out like he actually confirmed his suspicions after you know what he did to Elliot, but he's saying like um, basically like he was wrong, and he said um, you know that basically like Elliot was the one who kind of saved him, and then he says he should have taken a stand. Like Ray says that Ray himself should have taken a stand, so he's regretting what he did. So even though he's like the kingpin, he still kind of you know has a conscience, I guess, on the occasion that he wants to have it. And he's, like, confessing to Elliot, basically. Yeah, but his recovery to being a responsible, law-abiding citizen again is way too quick and clean for me. Yeah, it's—well, I don't know, because he kind of vacillated back and forth. I buy it. I do buy it. Um, Because I don't think that he's—I think he's a really good example of somebody who's got—he's, like, gray. He's not all evil. He's not all—well, I mean, he's fucking evil, but he's not, like, evil 24-7— well, they, they made him look sympathetic to us. He's on the dialysis machine. He's, like, missing his wife. He's talking to her at breakfast. It's like, oh, this poor guy. You know, he's, like, missing his family. But I don't know. I, I, the other reason I think this is a public site now is Ray says, hey, I, you know, how much time do I have? He thanks Elliot for doing this and says, how much time do I have? As if he's able to look at the site and see, okay, I'm exposed. Now, how much time before they get here? Right. But that's, I mean... So the dark web doesn't mean that you can't see it. I know. I I don't see Ray going through Tor, and I just don't see him as knowing what to do, except for it being right there in front of him on, like, the regular Internet. Yeah, no, that's – I mean, so I I can see you – I can see where your reasoning would be. I just don't think that that's – I don't – you know, I think that Elliot just – put out some cookies like not real like like internet cookies I, he put out some like breadcrumbs and um you know and that's all he needed to do i don't think it needed to be public but i don't know if it matters i mean the argument is kind of you know um you know one way or another it doesn't it doesn't really matter but um yeah i don't i don't think it was like because that's that's like a 
that's huge. And, and it's kind of antithetical to like what Elliot's real purpose is, because if he made it public, like on the regular internet, then it would have potential to harm more people. And that's not, that's like the antithesis of what well, it was going to come down that day. He, actually, in the next scene, he explains what he does, Jamie. As the sirens start ringing in the background and the cops come, or they, uh. the FBI, whoever, Elliot explains his fix. He says, I opened the site. I uh. put index on search engines. I made advertisements. I made it open to everyone. And Ooh. I also emailed the FBI an anonymous tip. Ooh. He says those words, so... However he did it, he made it open. The FBI knew right away they were going to come right away. So it wasn't going to be up for weeks and weeks. It's going to, you know, it's probably shut down in an hour. You know what? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, um, like really pay attention to the words that he said, but you're absolutely right. He says, I also took it upon myself to open the site to more than just tour traffic. Yeah. I had to index it on a few search engines and with the added touch of adverts on the top advertising sites. And now it's accessible to any average scumbag that Googles Thai girls for sale. Oh, yeah. So let's go back to the scene, though, where they're playing chess. We jumped ahead a little bit. So this is an interesting, long, complicated scene. So they talk about the, the website, the race is how much time do I have? And they're playing chess while they're doing this. And they're making interesting chess moves. Uh-huh. Um, Elliot says he hear, he's heard from a chess master, when you see a good move, look for a better one. Like a yes. trick is being played upon you. I loved that. And then as he leaves, you know, Ray says, you better get out. You better get out of here before the cops come. Ray topples his own king. Like, okay, I've been defeated as Elliot stands up from the table. And then, Jamie, there's some interesting, um, the captions on the Internet site, they put more captions than words that were spoken. So the, the captions said, one of the captions said, I gave Ray the chance to make the right move and he left himself wide open to me. Now, Elliot doesn't say that, but that's what the, the, the closed caption reads. So somewhere in the script that was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Ray left himself wide open to me. So mm-hmm. do you think Ray did this on purpose? Uh... <clears throat> I gave Ray the chance to make the right move, and he left himself wide open to me. You mean you're talking about in the chess game? Are you talking about... What happened between the two of them? In the chess game, there's a closed caption as if no, somebody I, spoke. I know. I know, I know. But I'm saying, like, when Elliot is saying that, are you asking me if Elliot is talking about the moves that they were making in the chess game? Or if you are asking me if Elliot is talking about what he did, that he felt like that he gave Ray the chance to, like, not put the site back up like he took it down right Elliot took it down and he gave Ray the chance to like leave it down and then Ray put Elliot back in front of that computer which is leaving himself wide open because he knows what Elliot is and he confesses as much to Elliot later like basically like I knew we both he said he said something like that we both knew what you were going to do when I put you back on that. Right. So I guess he I guess that's the answer. Yeah, because the chess game's just symbolic. You know, I was asking about the real life thing with the website. Right. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because 
<clears throat> that to me is like Ray's sort of, you know, like assholes redemption because, you know, he knew what he was doing. He knew what Elliot would do if he let him have control of that site again, you know, and he wasn't surprised in the least when Elliot did what he did and he didn't try to escape. He stayed there. I thought it was really great, you know, metaphorically, it was a little bit obvious. It was a little bit kind of, you know, um, on the nose, but, but it was still really good that after Elliot gets up and leaves, you know, then when Ray is alone and there's no one there to see him lose, he topples his king, his own king. Yeah, I was still straining my my credulity for Ray, though, because one, one minute he's a thug. He needs to keep that website going at all costs. He's got so much money involved in it. I mean, I don't know what he thinks is selling. And then the next, when he finds out there's a Thai girl for sale, slave girl, he's like all upset and he wants to come down. Yeah, see, I don't know if that's what it is, because I think he knew, you know, I, I think he knew when, when, you know, that this was the, you know, the stuff that was going, that it was something awful. I don't think it was the fact that it was human trafficking that, that caused him to have a moment of conscience. I think that this is one of those gray characters. He's, he, you know, gray, like not great, but gray. And he's a great character too. But I think that he has a morality that he can massage, you know, and not look at the way that people do in real life, you know, and he's a more extreme character because he does something that there aren't a lot of people, you know, in the world who would be willing to do or, you know, actually do. But I think that people are like that sometimes that they, you know, might be willing to be evil. Well, I want to know Esmail's further explanation of Ray because I need it. <laughs> I mean, maybe Ray's dialysis is failing and he found out he has like a couple weeks to live or something. And he wants to save his soul or, you know, apologize or get peace from this or somehow. But do something think- more needs to be added into this story. Okay. So, but do you think, I don't know, because, okay. So like for me, a little bit more might be interesting to know just what our writer was thinking. Right. But I don't really need it because I think there are people like that, you know, like I've had experiences like that in my life, like recently where I've dealt with people who, um, you know, were really, really, really uh, (laughs) doing some awful things, like not on that level, but, you know, just unkind, really unkind things to other people. And then, you know, had a change of heart you know, and decided to, you know, show some conscience. And I think, I don't know, I, I I think people can be like that, really. You know, it's, it's like expecting for characters to have consistent moral compasses is almost simplistic these days. I think that the way that people write characters for shows that are really well written um, now is like, you don't expect for the character to have consistent moral compass. You expect for the character to to be consistent within its universe, like its own possibilities for its own behavior. Like you wouldn't expect for Ray to, you know, give up his dark site and, you know, his human trafficking website and go try to get a job working for E-Corp. But you would, you know, expect for him to maybe, you know, vacillate on, you know, good and bad. Maybe. Another awkward part of this scene was Elliot was about to be taken back down into the basement by the thug, and he says, hey, wait a minute, how about a game, Ray? And Ray has to stop the thug and say, let him, give him a minute, give me and the Elliot a minute here. 
Like, what if Elliot hadn't asked for that game of chess? Now that, you have a really, really, really good point. That's a very strong point because that guy was probably going to kill Elliot. Like, I, 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 you know, and so, and maybe the point of it was, um, you know, this is a chess game. Like, their their relationship is a chess game. Yeah, maybe, I guess. You know, all there was to it, I don't know. Well, Esmail's explained his way out of some stuff pretty pretty well so far, so I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and we'll see what he does. Okay. Uh, so next thing, the C-SPAN is showing the bailout vote in the House chamber, and the balls from that giant bull crash through the roof right. via, I guess, the drone that they had? I, it, well, hopefully. Hopefully it wasn't somebody up on the roof. <laughs> somebody with a really good arm and just hefted him up on top of the building. But um, that, that explains the drone. Uh, then Angela goes into her father's store and uh, talks to him for a while. I just had, like, this crazy, like, vision of, remember those things they used to use, like, back in the, oh, God, like, the really seriously, like, the Middle Ages? There's, um, I forgot what they're called. They're, like, these giant. Trebuchet. Uh, maybe, like, they, like, it's a giant wooden thing, and then, like, you know, you just, like, um, put something heavy in one end of it and then let it go, and then it, like, sends what whatever the heavy thing is flying into like a building, a castle or, you know, whatever it is that <laughs> yeah, they put a flaming ball of like yeah. whatever yeah. molten molten oil or their enemies heads and they'd fling them back on. Yeah. On them. Is that a trebuchet? Is that what yeah. that's? Yeah. Trebuchet's so got this big lever thing and a heavy rock on one end and it kind of slings the, the, the am ammo, whatever it is on the other yes. end of it. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I pictured. <laughs> so anyway, so that happens. So at Angela's father's store, they sell these e-kits. Jamie, did you look at the ingredients of some of those buckets of e-kits? Mm -mm. There was like flashlights, water purification, chemical toilet, 2,400 calorie meals. I couldn't read all this stuff, but all these, you know, all these little emergency life-sustaining things jammed into these, these yellow buckets. Mm. Now that now we're starting to touch on some of this. That's what people are probably going to need in this, right? They need like Im urgent, immediate supplies. Absolutely. Um, and Angela, no, Angela, I'm not very happy with either in this episode. Why is that? Her conversation with her father is pretty tough here. She says she can settle the lawsuit, but there's a contingency about the independent inspections. But if you drop that, they'll settle. And her father just scoffs at this. You know, did your boss put you up to this? Do you want to happen? What happened to your mom to happen all over again? And uh, she says, I'll make sure those inspections go forward internally. And he kind of laughs that away and says to her, I don't trust them or you anymore. So what's Angela up to here? She just, she's up to something greater than, uh, and, and she blows it at the end of her scene here with the E-Corp e people. I think she's up to something greater than what, is on the surface. Oh, absolutely. That was what was revealed to us this episode about Angela. You know, I was telling you at the beginning um, of our podcast that this episode had a lot of revelations to it. There were a lot of births in this episode. Part of this was Angela's thing. Um, you know, her conversation with Price reveals something about her. She's changed. And um, her conversation with her dad reveals something about her again, she reveals something about herself to her dad. It's, um, you know, it's interesting. Angela hasn't, we haven't seen 
as the audience. And I think this episode was intended as a revelation to us, um, you know, to sort of settle um, where, you know, our minds, you know, were, there were a lot of questions, more questions than answers. And I think this episode revealed a lot to us because, you know, something that you and I sort of speculated about all this season is what has Angela done? Has she sold out? Has she um, decided, you know, to, um, you know, just embrace excess and try to get whatever she can get and not care about anyone else? We've wondered because the only thing that we've seen about her is these affirmations and you know, her trying to, you know, sort of negotiate a really unfamiliar territory um, full of people who should be her enemies. Uh, um, and so, you know, I think this episode revealed to us what you and I thought, which was, you know, there's something further, there's something deeper, um, or what we wanted to believe about her, which is that she still has a plan. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering though why she went to her father and had this hard conversation when she already had the means to overcome him dropping this contingency. She didn't need him to do that. Well, okay, so part of it was informative to us, you know, um, and I think you know part of it is, uh, you know, maybe just for the sake of, you know, for us to understand the relationship between Angela and her dad, so that that can be. Um, more fully explored later in the in the story, but I thought it was interesting. Maybe where, I I guess I want to like Angela more than I like her now. Well, I mean, she became more likable right now. Well, she's kind of a dick to her father, though. She's like, "Why did you come here? Why did you even come here?" She could have said, "Dad, trust me, I have a plan." Yeah, well, she's not going to do that because we have to find out later. Yeah, you know? or she's trying to. She's trying to artificially push her father away to protect him from something she's about to do. Like, like I don't love you anymore, Angela. Stay out of my life. That's to protect him somehow. Uh, uh, she's up to something. We don't have all that information, like you said. But there's a reason because she's too dickish to him. She could be, she could be neutral, but she's, di- she's a dick. She's like, why did you even come here? And she's like, I did it as a courtesy. Like, that's what a dick says to somebody. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing you a courtesy. Later. Bye. You're right. You're right. You're right. And they don't have that relationship because or didn't, you know, it's probably evolved. Their relationship has probably really, really seriously uh, worsened, um, you know, since she took that job, you know. But but did you notice where her dad was working? Yeah, that's the buckets of stuff. That's that's my point. Well, I mean, no, he's a. I don't know if you were paying attention to the background and to what dude was wearing, but he totally looked like a Walmart greeter. Like yeah, it's he, like a Best Buy or a Walmart. Yeah, it's a it's big like, box. But it's but it's E-Corp. Like, that was an E-Corp store. Yeah. So he was, like, freaking working for E-Corp. Yeah, that's as funny. A, as a it's crazy because he's down there at the very, very lowest level. I think... It's really interesting that um, he's down there doing that. Like, that's what he's had to stoop to, you know, to get money. And, you know, he freaking hates this company. But, he, you know, he's over there because that's where he can get a job, you know. And Angela's up in the ivory tower for the same company, you know. But she's, we know now, she's got something cooking. 
So she leaves, and we go to the basketball game. Uh, Leon and Elliot. I was glad to see Leon again. I actually typed at the beginning of this my notes. We know where's Leon. We haven't seen him in a while, but when I saw him, I was very happy to see him. What? Uh, what do you mean? I thought was, Leon was in last episode. Not as much though. I mean, was he in the last episode or the one before? I thought he's been in every episode. No, I thought there was a gap. I was wondering where he was for some okay. reason. Um, and Leon says Ray got the Ray thing got everyone talking, <laughs> and Elliot says I had nothing to do with it. And Leon says, lying at your friend right now. And then the the white supremacy crew comes over and tries to dismiss Leon off the off the bench. And Leon says, no, I'm staying right here. And uh, the tough guy tells Elliot, you owe me 800 bitcoins this, or e-coins, whatever. The site is down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of money, Jamie. That's millions of dollars. 800 bitcoins in his wallet? That's millions? Yeah, 800 bitcoins is a lot of money. Millions. Cause, yeah, because he did say bitcoins. Yeah. Um, okay, so I didn't know that. Uh, I, like, I, don't, I don't know much about Bitcoin. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't Google what they're worth, but... I know somebody, they showed, some special I watched, they show a guy paid like 200 bitcoins for two pizzas when they first came out. Mm-hmm. And those were like million, 200 was worth like millions of dollars. So 800 is worth certainly millions. Um, anyway, he threatens to see him later on. And Leon says to Elliot, you're under the sword of Damocles. Jamie, have you uh, explored the Damocles fable? No. Damocles was a guy, uh, the story of Damocles. I guess Damocles was the king. The, I guess the king was Dionysus. Dion, Dion, Di- Dionysus. Dionysus, thank you, was the king, a tyrant in the city of Syracuse in the old uh, Greek, the Greek part of southern Italy. And he was really rich, super comfortable, had all these luxuries, and he uh, had a person in his court named Damocles, who was kind of a sycophant, just like agreed with everything he did and said, you know, I had really loved to be king for a day and see what your life is like. So he lets him swab. Uh, How do you say his name? Dion? Dionysus. Dionysus switches with Damocles and Damocles gets all the enjoyments of the king until he looks up and sees hanging over his head is a sword hanging by a horse's hair. And he's all worried. He wants to just go back to his regular life. So he begs the king to swap back with him. And I guess the lesson there is that Dionysus or any king lives under a, the peril of like imminent doom at any moment just because it's hard to be a leader, hard to be a king. Right. So you always hear that saying, you're under the sword of Damocles. Huh. That, that a ruler being a leader, a ruler is really hard. And I guess this is important later on in this episode because of Mr. Robot telling Elliot that he, it's time for him to become a leader. Okay. And then Damocles goes back to his poor life again, and he's much happier. He's safer and doesn't have this peril of the sword over his head. Wow. All right, so we go to a scene with Price and Angela. They uh, talk about how the contingency was dropped. Price tells her that, you know, miracle. it's a miracle. It's, it was dropped, and he knows it was because of her, her actions. So she asks for a job change to risk management at E Corp. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asks her to join him for his birthday, and she just plainly says, no. No, I, I don't think I want to do that. And he, he just kind of wiggles out of it and says, okay, uh, next year then. He's undaunted. He's just, this guy's just like the total executive. Nothing phases him. 
Mm-hmm. All with this big, huge, huge, beautiful painting behind him. Did you look up that painting at all? It was like a. I, I didn't look it up, but I loved it. Blue's my favorite color, color, and that was so. It was really beautiful. It's like a dark, gloomy night night scene, night painting. It didn't look gloomy to me. It looked beautiful and sort of, you know, urban, sophisticated. Um, but yeah, it's got it. It was. Um, it was not. Uh, sharply focused it was sort of you know it looked like you know like like a night it looked like actually like a long exposure uh photograph um you know and but in canvas form um like someone painted it and i don't recall seeing that in his office before yeah we see lots of new art and i guess by seeing different angles different walls they sit in different parts of the room yeah maybe. pretty cool though pretty interesting mm. Next scene, Elliot's in his prayer group in the... Wait, 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 wait. Um, no, this is interesting, This, uh, you know, that, that part of the scene. Um, you know, she is talking to him, and she, uh, Angela's talking to Price, and she says, um, one of the things Terry Colby said to me when I took this job is that I can make changes from within. I want my position moves to risk management, and um, there's a manager position available, and he's like, what the hell, chick? That's what you're going to do. You're going to waste your collateral that you've built by this move of getting the contingency drop. You're going to waste it on a lateral move. And she says, well, that's what I want. And then they get into this conversation about it being his birthday. And she says, well, I thought your birthday was some other day. And he's like, no, no, I, you know, I, um, I never share the real one with anyone. Some things I like to keep to myself. And then um, she tells him happy birthday. And he says, would you like to celebrate it with me tonight? And that's one of those moments because that was kind of reflective of that moment that they had earlier in the season where he asked her to dinner and she thought it was a date. Remember? And he says, would you like to celebrate it with me? And um, then he says tonight. And she just says no. And I was blown away by that. Yeah, this is revelatory to what she's really up to, or, or the fact that she's up to something. It's not really revelatory to what she's up to. It's that she is up to something. Well, she's trading not- in all this capital of the finding the way out of this lawsuit, and she's just using it to move sideways instead of up, because that's important to her. And that's a chess move. Yeah. You know? And, and it's, it's not only that, but it's like she tells him the fucking truth. You know, and that's amazing to me because she is in a lot of peril. And Angela of two episodes ago would have been shaking in her shoes, but she just said what she had to say. She spoke truth to power. No, I'm, I'm not interested in celebrating with you. Fuck you, asshole, you know, kind of thing. I thought it was awesome. Well, I think you, re- you put a couple extra words in there. She just yeah, says no. Say, Fuck you, asshole. No, all she says is no. Right. But, Coldly. Like she was cold to him, like she was cold to her dad. Well, she was truthful. She was honest. You know, that was a revelation. Like she revealed to him a little bit in, in what she said. Right. You know? And and he was cool with it. He wasn't like, you know, how dare you? <laughs> you know, which kind of tells me he, you know, his opinion of her has, um, has been sort of... Um, embellished like he doesn't want to burn that he doesn't want to burn her bridge he's like okay then maybe next year like he kind of makes a joke about it yeah 
He's undaunted by it. He's daunted by it, but he's trying to appear undaunted by it. Right. All right. So next scene, Elliot's with his prayer group. Um, he apologizes for his outburst last month, and the leader hugs him. And he's honest, too. He's like, could you let go of me? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Very awkward. Uh, and then they make a mistaken, have a funny little conversation about mistaken of mistakenly having seen seen him, seeing him between God and Mr. Robot. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that moment where Elliot's like 100 percent serious and he's all like, you've seen me talking to him. Right. <laughs> And she's, you know, and then we're like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, she's talking about Jesus. You're not. <laughs> and then Mr. Robot's standing there right under the crucifix as if he's some sort of a god to Elliot. Yeah. Uh, I think there's some sort of implication there that this is this is Elliot's guiding light. This is his religion, his Mr. Robot connection. Oh, absolutely. And that was a huge statement about people and religion, which has been a theme in this in this season. So Elliot asked Mr. Robot for help finishing what we've started and asked him, why did you listen to me and lead us to hacking E-Corp? I just followed your lead. You're a leader. And Mr. Robot's telling him this. I just followed your lead and others want to follow you, son. You're a leader. Mm-hmm. So this was all up to Elliot. He, he is a leader. This, this idea was his, not Mr. Robot's. Elliot says, I don't want to be a leader. And Mr. Robot says, well, that's the answer to this. That's how you finish this. Mm. He asked Mr. Robot for help in finishing what we started. And the very final line of their conversation is from Mr. Robot. That's how you finish this. You become a leader. Yeah. He, and he keeps telling Elliot throughout the conversation, you need to lead. You need to be smart. You know, he's telling him, you know, this is what you need to do. He's encouraging him. Um, yeah, interesting. Very, very interesting and revealing. Again, revealing conversation. So let's try to decipher this risk management meeting now. Angela goes in. It's her first day at risk management uh, or her first meeting with the guy. He briefs her on what's going on. There's another water contamination case. It's probably exactly like what happened to our mother. He briefs her on that. He, um, she has to sit in on the senior level meetings, the director level meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's smart. She's after these records. But she's playing a double bluff here of some kind. He makes a little bit of a joke and asks her if she had any trouble getting through the protesters. He's looking down on them. And while he's doing that, Jamie, there's an interesting another photo on the wall of the guy on the steel girders from like okay. 1930. Um, yeah, that's like those Depression era photos. With those backpass dudes who, like, they, you know, those dudes, that was crazy, like, what they used to do back in the day. Like, they had no safety harnesses. They had no, like, they were just up there. Did you know that? Yeah. That was, like, those dudes were badass. Yeah, I've watched some cool documentaries about those guys. They built, like, the Empire State Building in, like, you know, 10 months. It's a really short time. Might might have been a little longer than that. But super short time. Imagine trying to build, like, a... You know, a hundred-story building now in New York, in a, in one year, it would take. I don't, know, I don't know. We're just soft and lazy, and our materials are bad, and our work ethic is shit. But like seriously, dude, back in the day, I was I was um, I was doing some reading about um, historical um, recipes, like like 
stuff like the way they used to make stuff like from like like ancient Mesopotamia um, up until like nearly modern times. And they were talking about like um, Depression era America and like how fried chicken came to be a thing and like why they used to fry chicken in lard. And the reason why is because like the average American operated at a deficit of calories. Like they needed to actually eat things that were high in fat, like lard, like hundred percent fat in order to maintain enough caloric intake to stay alive. Like people were, were like underfed back then. Yeah. That's why we developed like recipes and appetites for things that were like super high in calories, which is interesting to me because, you know, that like since the dawn of like humanity, since man became like a, you know, something that was not more animal, it was like more human, like what we recognize today, we've always had like the animal kingdom, like operated at a deficit of calories with the exception of the last like 50, 60, 70 years. That's crazy to me. Yeah, that's interesting. There's there's some totally interesting stuff too about those guys that built those buildings in New York and high high rises for the first time. You know, they're you're right. They're hanging out on beams on like 35 floors up and 100 floors up. And they said that they used to feel in the wind currents they would get pelted by like like alfalfa sprouts that were from the Midwest, from the Farm Belt that were like you know hundreds of miles away just in the wind because. The, air, the streaming air up there was so high up that, you know, they would feel that stuff hit them as they were working. That's incredible to me. You know, like, that guy's perched on the top of that beam just with nothing. That's the kind of, you know, okay, so we hear all this, you know, talk these days about, you know, America being great. America won't be great until we have badass like everyday human beings who can do stuff like that like strong physically and you know willing to work hard like hard hard like so hard that your life ends kind of early <laughs> like you don't live as long because you work so freaking hard that's great Americans. Like, I have a lot of respect for those folks. Well, and smart. Like, they just think of it, you know, the Empire State Building went up in the middle of Manhattan. So just to get the material in there, they had to schedule, like, the dump trucks of, or the trucks carrying the girders and the rivets and the wood and everything. Just a line, just like a, like an assembly line of trucks had to be scheduled to the, almost literally to the second. So and one truck would have to get in, unload, and get out, and the next one would come in with the right stuff. Like you couldn't bring all the girders and no rivets. You had to you had to synchronize all that crap, mm -hmm. and then you had to lift it up, and then you had to put it together, and then you had to get back out and go back in. And I mean, just all the intelligence besides the physical strength and the hardworking strength, the the right. intelligence of it, like the coordination and the planning and all of that stuff. It's just that's crazy. It's just so crazy to me. It's amazing. I wonder if the implication is that that guy was in on the girders of that particular building that they were I in. I don't know, but can you imagine? And I bet you it is. I bet you that's exactly what that was. All right. So the next scene, Elliot burns his notebooks, and he's got that crazy Carla watching him. Now, that we know he's in prison, Jamie, do you think this was some sort of transgendered dude? Would have to be, right? I don't know. That's a great question. Because it couldn't be a woman. You know, when I saw that chick, I thought she kind of looked like she might be a dude, <laughs> but I didn't say anything about it because, of course, that would have been highly inappropriate at the time. But now, 
<laughs> now that you say that, I'm wondering. It has to be, I think. Yeah, interesting. So Elliot starts to get beat up in the alley, and we see Mr. Robot's face interspersed for the punches to take the hits. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. And slice and stab, and we hear that in the background, and it's Ninja Leon. Back That's for right. action. Oh, man, that was a, a so great scene. Joey Badass. He totally is Leon Badass here. Yeah, that's exactly right. That was an interesting scene. And you know that dude, that um, that racist dude um, with the Bitcoin, um, like, let the language fly. And um, that was shocking to me. And, uh, you know, and then here comes our hero uh, taking care of business. Yeah, now what is our hero? This next hero, is he a double-edged hero? Because like he says, you're going to get a letter on Tuesday, do what it says, and put in a good word with me with White Rose. Yeah, now that was crazy, right? So he's that- an emissary or an agent of some sort for, for White Rose? All right, going to get a letter on Tuesday, do what it says. Hey, yo, man, when you see White Rose, make sure you say I did you good. So that is a whole new spin that's another revelation that we get this episode you know so is leon real or is he some sort of phantom no i think leon's for real real because he murdered like a bunch of dudes yeah but but he throws in the line he says i'll be rooting for you cuz always like he's some sort of part of elliot's mind i don't know i'm i'm questioning that now Maybe, I don't know, I'm not going to doubt what you're telling me because, you know, this whole season to this point, I have been really, you know, in the dark. Like, I didn't buy that he was in an institution or of any type, and, you know, and he was. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to doubt anything that you offer me. <laughs> well, it's me, again, it's me reading stuff that other people have come up with, but I, I like the, I like the conspiracy theories that Esmail's woven into this story. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I don't... uh, Yeah. Um, Let's just go with that. (laughs) So Angela's at the meeting, and the first thing we learn is that lawyer, Susan Jacobs, is missing from the meeting. She's the crazy woman in the Internet of Things house where everything went went wrong in the first... I think it was the first episode. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the economy must really be in the shitter if she decides to take her vacation days. Yeah, because remember she said, like, didn't she say something like she had, like, I don't know how many vacation days? She spoke about that in earlier episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you think Angela's up to here? She offers a summary of all the past cases. All I need to do that is access to the records. She's, she's like, super clumsy about it. She totally overplays her hand. Mm-hmm. Enough for the manager just says, all right, this is meeting's over. Can't do much without Susan here anyway. And he calls her shit right away. Mm-hmm. What, what is Angela up to here? She has to be doing this on purpose. She's not this stupid. I don't know. I mean, it's really freaking. And it could be a Trojan. You know, all right. So here we're talking about all this warfare, these references to, um, you know, like um, mythology and, you know, ancient warfare techniques and that kind of stuff. Maybe this is a Trojan horse. You know, maybe Angela is saying, look over here, look over here. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm a little simpleton. And then maybe behind the scenes, she has like a bigger plan, um, you know, in mind. I think that it would be uncharacteristic of her at this point. Um, and it would be short-sighted of us 
um, as an audience, you know, to assume that this is her long game. Yeah, I, th- I think it. I think she has to be up to something greater. Yeah, yeah definitely. She's doing this clumsy move on purpose. Definitely, but that fucking dude, he gave her a shrimp cocktail. That was sick. Like that just tells me and you and everyone and Angela, like exactly what he thinks of her. Well, that was the meal when Angela first heard from that guy. We we it was a rainy day. We had shrimp cocktail while we discussed your mother's fate. That's right. So so they're repeating what they did there. That's exactly right. You know, yeah. and I mean, he just I it would have been difficult for me to um, like. I don't know. Actually, I take that back. It would not have been. I think I could have had a poker face through that. But what he said to her was really awful. You know, you sucked whoever's dick to get here, you know. And then um, I did this as a favor to Price. And his hostility is just, I mean, he doesn't even try to to veil it at this point. Maybe that's part of her plan is to make him angry and expose what he knows. She probably would have already thought that he figured that, though. Yeah, I think she's I think she's got a long game we can't see. I think that's the really the purpose of a lot of what was revealed about Angela on this episode to kind of get us on her side, get us rooting for her, um, remind us that she's smart, let us know that she's playing a long game and let us know that we don't know everything she's up to. Right. Angela and Ray, some stuff that we don't know. What, I mean, we got to give Esmail the benefit of the doubt here that he's got some cool answers to this. For sure. Coming up. All right, so we go to Krista and Elliot now. This is where we start to see this reveal. So he's getting something. We don't quite know what it is yet. He's getting something good. Krista asks him, how are your interactions with him? Uh, And Elliot says, I wanted to get rid of him, but you're right. You can't destroy part of yourself. So they're talking about the Mr. Robot part of him. Right, so I think this is the letter that he's supposed to get on Tuesday. I think this is probably some parole terms or something. And I think that's what our... Leon. Leon, yeah. I was about to call him Joey Badass. Um, yeah, Leon. I think this is what Leon was referring to. And I think it was something like, you know, you, if you agree to these terms, you can get out kind of thing. So how does White Rose affect Elliot's prison status? Well, I mean, White Rose operates behind the scenes, right? So how can we imagine that White Rose wouldn't have some sort of reach inside the prison system. I don't know it, if it has anything to do with his release. So you I, think that's Ray's call? Ray, Ray, first of all, what do you think Ray is in this prison? I don't hierarchy? know. Warden? I, I don't know. Seems like the warden wouldn't be able to release somebody. The warden's just the guy in charge of the prison. So the release would have to come from higher up. Well, definitely the release would come from someplace else. Um, I, I don't know how they negotiate terms of someone's release, you know, um, from prison. I think that has to do with, uh, you know, the justice system, like whoever, um, whatever uh, entity has imprisoned him, like whether it's like New York State or it who is. It is. It's a state because it's Department of Corrections, okay. it's not federal. So okay. it's some. So how. So it's interesting how White Rose could affect something at a state level. Now, I'm not saying he can't or she can't, whatever he is, <laughs> she is. But but it's interesting. That connection will will be another interesting reveal. 
Well, I don't I mean, do you think that White Rose was behind this? Because I don't know if I take it like that. I I think that um, that Elliot's release was just in the system, like coming. And maybe there was some sort of massage of it. I don't know if White Rose had anything to do with it. But I, I think that the uh, that Lionel knew that Leon. I'm sorry. Why the hell do I keep calling that dude Lionel? Leon um, knows that as soon as he gets out, then he's probably going to have a meeting with White Rose or, you know, shortly thereafter. Yeah, but Leon knew he was getting out. That tells me something that Leon knew from White Rose because Leon appears to be connected to White Rose. Yeah, you're right. Um, Anyway, so he's got something coming on Tuesday and that's probably it. And... um, he admits, I don't want to get rid of Mr. Robot anymore because that would be destroying part of myself. And the reveal starts here. Krista says, you know you're not at your mom's house anymore, right? And then we, see, we hear the siren and then the therapy office, Krista's office, melds into the prison meeting room mm-hmm. or cafeteria, whatever it is, but some room. And, um, and after all this happens, Krista asks him to keep seeing her. Maintain our schedule, yeah. Pretty yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. So Elliot out in the prison yard now says control is illusion and illusion is control. So interesting that the second half of this illusion is control, that by having having illusion, he controlled his setting. And I guess yeah. the illusion of like Mr. Robot taking him away on that weird trip last week while he was getting yeah. beat up. Not only that, like this whole this whole entire season so far has been an illusion that Elliot has needed to gain control of his environment or of his existence because he's in prison. I know, and but that but that little scene was like a way to control being pain feeling the pain of that beating. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a million examples of it. It's that, really it's, it's been great because we've been protected as the audience from his harsh reality yeah so leon meets him in the restaurant slash cafeteria (laughs) prison cafeteria and the streets merge into the streets of new york merge into the jail hallways and elliot asks us to forgive him for keeping things from us audience wise yeah and And he he says this is the this will be the last time i keep things from you i promise how could that be the show's renewed for a third season. How could I mean that's the premise of the whole show? Well, no, actually, the premise of the show is that Elliot can't trust his reality. We there's been a breach in the 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 presentation of reality in the series this season because last season everything that we experienced we knew was real. We just didn't know if we were seeing what Elliot was seeing or, you know, if we were seeing it through his eyes or like life. Right. But in this episode, we find out that this whole season, Elliot has been aware. We have been unaware. He knew that he was in prison and he was choosing to live in a fantasy. And because we don't, have access to reality without Elliot's eyes. Like this season, our place has changed. We were not like tandem with him 
and like seeing things and going, okay, well, this is, you know, if it's like this, then it's, you know, got to be that. And, you know, this kind of stuff, like we have been completely in the dark. And it's interesting to me because what it seems as though Sam Esmail has done, and this could be the answer to why he is the writer and the director for every episode. I think he's had to be really controlling about the the reality that he presents to the audience. Um, I'm very careful to make sure that it's very consistent because what he's done is almost take us from a prominent, a more prominent position in Elliot's psyche and draws back into a deeper place that doesn't see everything. Yeah, the whole entertainment factor is us not knowing, well, like, who's this Mr. Robot guy? He's sure mysterious. And then it's slowly revealed that he's part of Elliot's psyche. Right. And but then the prison. I mean, that's the entertainment of the show, though. How if, if it will be the last time that we're fooled like this, what is the entertainment going to be? Well, what I'm saying to you is that there is a difference in degrees of revelation here. Like in a person, in a person who has DID, like they have, and this, and we've talked about this, this, this season, because this has been a, a feature of the season is like the fight for, um, you know, like Mr. Robot to be more prominent or Elliot to be more prominent, or is Tyrell a part of Elliot or who is a part of Elliot's identity that we think are real characters out in the world. And then maybe they're not. And what I'm telling you is that I think that this imaginary friend that Elliot has that he talks to is like one of those, um, like the, the pieces of his identity that can either be more to the fore in experiencing the world more fully or more to the rear, kind of like how it was in the episode, last episode with the whole, you know, 80s sitcom thing going on. And Elliot was like, okay, so this is it, right? I've lost. Like, this is where I am. I don't get to be in the world anymore. I'm in this, like, non-reality here. Like, I'm experiencing the world through so many filters that this is, like, I'm operating in a place that's not reality. That's what Ismail did to us as the audience, like what we have been seeing has not been reality. We've been seeing a very heavily filtered experience of Elliot's life. It was a mind fuck is what it was because we were thinking like, okay, well, you know, he's here, he's in the world. He's like hanging out, he's doing his thing. And Elliot's reality that he woke up to last episode of being like, this is bullshit. This is an 80s sitcom. This isn't real. I'm really frustrated and I'm scared kind of thing. Like, is this what my life is now? I can't, I don't have control anymore. I'm not at the forefront anymore. Has Mr. Robot one kind of thing is basically what happened to the audience this episode. Like we're realizing God, I mean, like we thought we were in the world, but we're not Elliot's in prison and we had no clue. Well, the, the series was compelling in the first episode, the very first episode where Elliot takes down the guy with the child porn. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that wasn't, we didn't wonder who a Mr. Robot was there. It was just like interesting. This guy is good at hacking and he took down this guy. I mean, maybe that'll be, maybe that's how the show evolves now, that Elliot's a leader. He's learned from everything he's learned in this season. Although season's only half over. Um, but then, then the real plot of whatever the Dark Army and White Rose and Leon and all this other stuff is, you know, that becomes the story. Um, the next scene is mother goes back into his cell. His mother is his guard. Right. Interestingly. Yeah. And he tells us this was just my way of coping with things. I'd like it if we could trust each other again. Let's shake on it. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of leaves it the handshake yeah. reference. Yeah. All right, Jamie. Um, well written episode. Really well written. This is like really down the rabbit hole, man. Interestingly, the next episode is successor. So mm-hmm. maybe we're going to see the successor from Elliot's uh, growth. Yeah, maybe so. You know, that'll be fascinating because this episode really did kind of have echoes of like um, the Matrix in it. It kind of had like echoes of Neo's rise, you know, like rising to the occasion of like what his circumstances are, even though he doesn't want to accept, um, you know, the reality that he's living in. He makes a decision, you know, to accept it. And this really kind of had echoes of that in it. I would be curious to know if um, if that was what Sam Esmail had in mind because it's really um, it's it's really very heavily a part of Elliot's um, of the closing part of this episode. And uh, by the way, um, I looked up the Bitcoin amount and right and it fluctuates because it's um, it's like a, a different currency, right? So it's like foreign currency in a way. And so right now it's worth four hundred sixty five thousand two hundred forty U.S. dollars. Yeah, so that's four hundred million dollars if you round up to five hundred thousand. A lot of money, eight hundred Bitcoin. That's yeah, that's crazy. All right, so uh, that is ne- next episode. See, episode eight is successor. But for handshake, that's about it, Jimmy. Unless you have any final thoughts. I do. I have final thoughts, Mike. How the hell did you do the math that fast? Because a half million dollars, and he has eight hundred of them. That's four hundred. Say what? You said it's 462000 Four, Yeah, 465240 U.S. dollars. I just round it up, call that half a million. So if you have 800, half of 800 is 400. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, dude, just like multiply. Or you and could I multiply do- 400 million times, or 400,000 times 800 is 320 million. It's a lot. You know, it's, I mean, one well, is a lot. <laughs> You're awesome, though, because I, you know, normally I do math in my head pretty easily, but I just was not thinking along those lines. I have more trouble with the episodes. Like this is episode seven, but it's the fifth week. I'm still I'm still struggling with that. Just quit doing the episode math, man. Your life will be so much easier if you just just accept it. (laughs) All right, Jamie, how do people reach you on the Internet? I am on Twitter. I'm at Word Girly, and I have a cool website um, called wishisaidthatshit.com, where I am putting notes about the different episodes of the different podcasts that you and I do, things I thought of later that I want to talk about. Um, and so people can go and look at all of our episodes of Mr. Robot um, on there. Um, I'm working my way through and adding uh, the different episodes of this season as we go. And I will do the retroactive ones, um, go from episode one up when I do my season rewatch um, at the end of the season. So people will be able to go there and leave comments and do that kind of stuff. But that's where I am. So at word girly and shit, I wish I said.com. No, wish I said that shit. Sorry. Um, <laughs> wish I said that shit. The links in the, in the show notes. Awesome. Thanks. And I'm at scathing tweets. So until next week on successor, that's it from handshake, Jamie. Awesome. <laughs>